0: The mind by nature is radiant and pure, the Buddha said. It is shining. It is because of visiting forces known as defilements that we suffer. It is because of visiting forces known as defilements that we suffer. When we hear this simple but rather bold statement by the Buddha, We might want to inquire about it in light of what I spoke about the first evening is the three jobs of a yogi. What is the right view? Or how should we understand these defilements? How do we establish awareness of them? And how do we sustain the continuity of awareness in noticing them. So tonight I want to speak about defilements, the nature of defilements, how to understand them, how to work with them. Because it is, as the Buddha said, the source of all of our suffering. Now just reflect back over the day. And whatever state of mind caused you some distress. Impatience, frustration, disappointment, anxiety, pain in the body, anticipation, anxiety. These are all degrees of suffering caused by a visitor to the mind. If we could understand and work with these visitors to the mind, the Buddha promises that we could be free of those painful experiences. So what is a skillful view, or what are the skillful views of these defilements? Well, let's just say initially that defilements are um, unskillful states of mind, rooted in aversion, attachment, delusion, that are often so deeply habituated or habitual that they're often unconscious and taken for granted. So their feelings Moods, mental states, thoughts, beliefs, assumptions that cause us to suffer. The interesting thing about all the defilements is that they are accompanied by restlessness. And restlessness is, as we have discovered, the wandering mind. What this means, or what this points to, is that All of these defilements are fueled by, or rooted in, the mind that is just churning away thinking. Sometimes we're aware of it, and sometimes we're not. (laughs) They're also always accompanied by delusion or ignorance. Ignorance is not knowing. And we've had plenty of that experience today. You know when the mind wanders away on a train of thought and you have no idea what you're thinking about or how long you've been there. You don't know what you think about what you're thinking about. You don't, you don't know anything. You're totally ignorant of the fact that the mind is off in la-la land until awareness or mindfulness thankfully pulls you out of it, and you get to see where you've been. It is mindfulness that is going to um, know or begin to recognize these states of mind that we are, or may be, ignorant of. But there's another form of delusion, and we'll call this one delusion rather than ignorance, and delusion is different than ignorance in that, the way I'm defining it tonight, in that sometimes we're aware of what's going on but we understand it wrongly. We see what's going on but we have a misinterpretation of it. It's when we assign some value or meaning or goodness or judgment to things which have, which which aren't inherently that way. And so we we may be mindful, but we're not understanding correctly. Sometimes these defiled states of mind are accompanied by attachment, longing, yearning, desire. Sometimes they're accompanied by aversion in one of its many forms. And there are a vast range of manifestations of aversion. But in general, we could say that the defilements, our beliefs rooted in defilements, the stories of ourself that are rooted in defilement are so habitual, they arise so frequently in the mind, we often take it to be who we are. It is as if the frequency of the visitors to the mind have become our personality. And we sometimes talk about as identified in some of the Buddhist teachings having an aversive being an aversive personality type or a desiring personality type because that is the defilement that arises most frequently, most easily, that we're most identified with over and over again. And so when we get identified with the states of mind as me, who I am, this state of mind, we merge our sense of self or we merge our identity with this experience. Or sometimes we appropriate the defilement as mine it's my anger my fear when in fact fear arises due to causes and conditions which we often don't have immediate control over and so too with many of the other defilements and yet because of the frequency of the arising in the mind we think it's mine when These defilements are unseen, unrecognized, misunderstood. They really prevent us from living life fully. Just think about how much you do not do in your life out of fear. We can be afraid of many, many things. Fear is a defiled state of mind. It's aversion to some discomfort, some pain, some unknown. And so we just don't even go there. And so we restrict, we compromise, we limit the range of our heart, what our heart can do, can feel, can experience when these defilements are not seen or when we're identified with them. And in practice... They really hinder our practice because they obstruct the arising or the arousing of mindfulness and they prevent the understanding that comes from the continuity of mindfulness. Just think of the times in your practice, maybe not today, when you've been riddled with doubt is this the right time for me to be doing a retreat? Am I, am I understanding the instructions correctly? Am I practicing correctly? Do those teachers know what they're talking about? <laughs> is, this, is this practice really going to do it for me? Maybe I should try something else. And these questions, when they arise in the mind, in the form of doubt, they paralyze... Our practice It's very hard to keep making skillful effort when we don't see the activity of doubt in the mind. On the other hand, these defilements are also part of the Dharma. When they arise, they are the way things are for me for now. They arise due to causes and conditions. They are a natural phenomenon. There's nothing uh, accidental about them. They arise lawfully, not randomly. And when we don't see the causes and conditions that give rise to them, we will be ensnared in them. But they can be known through awareness, and they can be understood by wisdom, and this makes the defilements an opportunity to cultivate wisdom rather than an obstruction to liberation. This is one right view that we should. Catch. we should really acknowledge this. The defilements, when they arise, are an opportunity to develop mindfulness and understanding and liberation, rather than seeing them as an obstruction, a problem, something that we need to get rid of before we can practice. We should understand what the danger of these defilements are. You know, I, a few years ago, I stopped using the word hindrance, hindrances, and started using the word defilements, and people really don't like it. No, they don't like it. I don't want to hear about the defilements. It sounds bad. It sounds like the Old Testament, you know. And that's good. I want you to understand these defilements are what cause all your suffering. Is there anything worse? Think about it. They cause all your suffering. What could be worse? Is there, is there a worse word? A better, I mean a better word for worse? <laughs> I'd like to know because I'd use that. We really should understand that they are not to be taken casually or lightly, but we should understand that they are mental states. They arise in the mind. What you feel in the body may be unpleasant, but it's not a defilement. It's the nature of the body. It may be hot. it may be hard, it may be painful, but the defilements arise in the mind and they cause or they can condition tightness, agitation in the body and they condition disagreeableness, tension, stress and reactivity in the mind when we don't acknowledge them. Either we don't see them or we don't acknowledge them or we don't choose to work with them. They only get stronger. Either defilements obscure the object Like in restlessness, hiding the object in a train of thought, or they cause us to not see the nature of the object. And the object is this moment's experience. We either don't see this moment, or we see it, but we don't understand it. It's as if defilements enchant the mind casting a spell of dreamlike images and a fascinating story that we would that we choose to live in rather than see the way things are. Many of the defilements come or are recognized as or by the story or the narrative in your own mind. And We're so familiar with the stories of ourselves, the stories of my life, that it seems real. And we keep repeating it to ourselves, we repeat it to others, and we just make it, we become more and more firmly identified with and entangled in the story in a defiled way. it is as if it is a living, breathing, long-running hallucination. When Sahira Upandita first used the word hallucination for these I, I, I think everybody burst out laughing. It's true. The stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, about our suffering, it's just a hallucination that we just buy into again and again because We don't see the defilements. We don't understand the power of these defilements. And it entangles the mind in all kinds of suffering. But mindful awareness is a searchlight casting for faults in this cloud of delusion. For those of you who know what I mean... the Buddha offered a spectrum of practices to address the different gradient of defilements. And his guidance instruction is encoded in the Noble Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path is the Fourth Noble Truth and it is essentially three trainings. It is the training in purifying the intention in the mind before we speak or act. And when we pay mindful attention to where we're coming from, what the motivation for speaking and acting is, we can see when the motivation is coming from a place of confusion, desire, aversion, fear. And we can see when the motivation to speak or act is coming from a place of understanding, clarity, compassion, generosity. And what this permits is arresting the transgressive defilements. When we speak and act under the influence of the defilements, we hurt ourselves and we often hurt others. We transgress against them and the pain I mean, the pain of speaking carelessly lasts for a lo- can last for a long time. Even today someone in a group was saying she remembered some incident from the past and she cringed at how she now understood her behavior. It's like, ooh. Mindfulness does that for us. It shows us, without any spin, without any rationalization, without any justification, it shows us the truth. This is where it's coming from. This is where this action, this is where this speech is coming from. And when we see that, before we speak and act, we have the choice to exercise restraint. This saves us from a tremendous amount of suffering. So that training, just that training in the precepts to not harm is a a flag that cautions us to be careful in these areas of our life. Because it is so easy to fall under the influence of or become entangled in the defilements and act them out quite blindly and suffer. And sometimes cause others suffering in the process. The greatest danger is in acting and speaking without awareness. because. If we're not aware of the defilements, we have no hesitation, no second thoughts, we invest a lot of energy in it, and we do it repeatedly, and we have no remorse. The power of that karmic act is magnified by all of those conditions. At least if there's some knowledge that it might be unskillful, some awareness it's unskillful, and you go ahead and do it anyway at least you feel you know not so energetic not so joyful maybe not so many times and that minimizes the karmic impact but when there's no awareness no knowledge no restraint it's painful but even if we could exercise continuous mindful awareness before speaking and acting our minds could drive us crazy (laughs) even though we're not acting it out the mind could be filled with defilements and thoughts about what we'd like to do (laughs) and even though we don't do it we're suffering with the tormented mind and so just watching the intention or being aware of the intention before speaking and acting is not a powerful enough practice to relieve us of the suffering of the mind. So when these defilements obsess the mind, the obsessive defilements, it takes mindfulness moment to moment mindful awareness to see them so that we're not tormented by them. Now, some of you are going to say, yeah, but when I'm angry and I'm aware of it, it's torturous. It's not as torturous if you didn't see it, as if you didn't see it. Yeah, it's painful to see the the defilements. But every time, every moment, you are aware of an obsessive defilement, it loses its power. Just gradually, you're, you're arresting it. You're keeping it from multiplying and magnifying and getting stronger in the mind. You're just, just noticing, noticing, noticing. A moment of awareness of a defilement is a wholesome state of mind. A moment of lack of awareness of a defilement is an unwholesome state of mind. So, if it is arising, and you can be mindful of it, This arrests, holds at bay its tormenting uh, behavior. Even if we could, and you know how difficult it is, establish the continuity of mindfulness to notice every time a defilement arises in the mind. Sometimes we just can't. You know, Conditions come at us so fast or so unexpectedly or so intensely that we're taken over by the defilements. And so the Buddha offered a third training to address this level of defilement in the mind. It's the defilements that lay in the mind, kind of like you know, you know, in uh, countries where they have wars and they plant these uh, landmines, little things, uh, little little round things in the ground. They cover them up, and they're just waiting for somebody to come along and step on it or drive over it, and then they blow up. Our mind is full of little mind bombs, (laughs) just waiting for the right conditions to come together and a defilement will inflame the mind they're there they're in there they're they're just waiting what are we what can we do to remove them or to protect ourselves from their blowing us up or blowing up our mind or sending the mind into some obsessive or transgressive behavior. This, the Buddha said, is only possible when we practice Vipassana. Because those little mind bombs lying in wait in the mind for the right conditions to explode are all rooted in ignorance. Not understanding correctly Insight is the practice to purify our understanding. Not just to purify our intention before speaking or acting, not just to purify our mind momentarily with awareness, but to purify our understanding so that when conditions arise that could give rise to a mind-bomb, sending us into torment, we understand correctly. We understand, oh, this is the way it is, and that understanding prevents the wrong understanding of the defilements from arising. That's our guarantee. That's our insurance that we're never going to be ambushed. We're never going to mistakenly react or step on one of these mind-bombs. So these are, all that I've mentioned, are the skillful ways of understanding the defilements. Because with, this, with these understandings, we can begin to establish mindful awareness of them so that we're not entangled in them. So how do we work with these defilements? One of the first things... Is we need to hear about them. We need to hear that acting out your anger is not skillful. Speaking your anger is not skillful. Or any of the other well often personality traits that we are fully invested in not skillful. You know it's no secret to those who know me that I have a lifelong practice of patience <laughs> or I should say impatience. <laughs> uh, I I I don't think I was born with the patience gene <laughs> and it's my first retort to um, you know challenging conditions. It's just impatience. And having become aware of it it's pretty powerful but for a long time I never knew that there was anything wrong with it. You know, it's like I should be impatient. They should be on time. They should hurry up. They should they should meet my expectations. But you know what? When I'm impatient, they don't suffer. <laughs> I suffer. And it's and it's when <laughs> Does she care? No. <laughs> Her birth name is Pacencia, Patience. (laughs) That's my teacher. So the first step in working with the defilements is to learn about them so that we can recognize them. Now, we all know the word impatience. We all know the word fear. We all know the word jealousy. We all know the word envy. But do you know what it feels like when it arises in your heart and mind? Or do we get entangled in the story that justifies us feeling fearful? More likely. So, learning to recognize the uh, defilements as they and when they arise in the mind. As I mentioned, many of the defilements arise in the form of a story about ourselves about what's going on, about how we see the world now. You know, they said this, I said that, they shouldn't have done this, therefore I'm angry. And I should be angry because that's a story. Who's suffering with your anger? Who's suffering with your jealousy? Who's suffering with that envy, that fear that has arisen in your mind? We suffer. Who can do anything about it? Can we control the other people? Can we manipulate conditions to always meet our expectations, our demands? We cannot. Only we can deal with, can recognize and begin to deal with the sources of our own suffering, these defilements in the mind. Naming them really helps. Sometimes we call it labeling. Sometimes we call it naming. It's being so clear in recognizing what the quality of the state of mind is that we can name it. It's clear perception. When there's this clear perception and we name it, it is as if we contain it. We don't get rid of it and we don't name it to get rid of it. We name it in order to clearly recognize, oh, this is what it is. I remember the first three-month retreat I did back there a while. I remember six weeks of dealing with sloth and torpor. I would go in. Every every interview was dealing with trying to get some more information, more technique, more whatever to deal with sloth and torpor. It was relentless. And I could have written a book, a really good book on sloth and torpor, (laughs) but I couldn't get rid of sloth and torpor. In part because even though I could talk about it, I wasn't really being mindful of it. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. We can be totally entangled in something. We can talk about it. We know the story about it. And yet we're not being mindfully aware of it. Because in one sense, we haven't really identified it as something that has arisen in the mind that's being known. We're identified with it as My sloth and torpor. When we first see any of the defilements and we recognize them, there's often a tendency to judge ourselves. You know, I shouldn't be tired. I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be jealous. I shouldn't be, you know, it's, it's, and we get angry that we're angry. We get fearful that we're desiring. We get, we multiply our defilements. So the second step in working with any of the defilements is to relax. (laughs) Relax in the way of just acknowledging, accepting, this is the way it is for now. It takes calmness of mind, as Kamala spoke about last night, one of the seven factors of awakening. To get anxious, fearful, excited, ramped up because a defilement has arisen in the mind, is not particularly helpful. But a calm recognition of it where we just acknowledge, accept the fact that, you know what? Fear's present. Anger's present. Frustration is present. If we if we can't relax or can't acknowledge in a calm way this is what's going on, then we're just kind of adding fuel to the fire with aversion and anxiety and frustration with one of the defilements one of my teachers Saito Utejaniya really got it pretty succinctly when he said the mind is not yours but you're responsible for it (laughs) what arises in the mind arises due to causes and conditions most of which are out of your control. And yet, when those causes and conditions give rise to what's in the mind, we have to take care of it. Because how we react to it or respond to it, whether skillfully or unskillfully, makes all the difference in the world to us. I'm sure you've noticed today, the stuff that comes into your mind... (laughs) Who ordered this? I mean, come on, you know. But here it is, and we've got to deal with it, right? So the mind is not yours in that sense, but you still have to take responsibility for it. One of the reactions to look for when doubt arises in the mind, doubt is a particularly tricky Defilement, hindrance, because it sounds so reasonable. How do I know whether this practice works? Isn't that a reasonable question to ask before you invest seven days of eight, nine days of torturous <laughs> silence in, into it? And yet, how can you know the answer to that without practicing? You cannot we can tell you what we think we can share our confidence with you you can read it in a book but it's not your experience yet and so it seems so reasonable to to doubt and yet when we doubt we don't practice when we're caught in doubt we can't be mindful we can't make the effort and apply it in a skillful way to being mindful because the object to be noticed or noted is the mental state doubt itself so what do we do you'll you can recognize doubt in the mind when you try to when you notice yourself trying to figure it out are you trying to figure out practice are you trying to figure out how this works you're trying to figure out what whether it's really the right practice for you this figuring out habit of mind often points to doubt about practice doubt about yourself how do you know you can do it Maybe they can do it. How do I know I can do it? I better figure this out. <laughs> you can't figure it out. But you can notice figuring out as sometimes the flag that's waving to notify you that doubt's present in the mind. So when we recognize the defilement and we exercise some, just try to relax around it, just acknowledge and accept this is the way it is for me, for now. Then what? Well, because the momentum of the defilements is so strong, we often act them out. And so it's good to know that the pressure to write that note, you know, you get, you get irritated by something. Well, Even though I can't write the teacher's note, I'm going to write the manager's note. <laughs> there. Turn the air conditioner down, would you? Come on. Oh, well, we got a day of cold. There, yeah, that ought to be satisfying. Or, you know, there's too much noise here, or I didn't get scheduled for an interview, or whatever. And it can be much worse than that. But we, we dump our... We often dump our defiled mental state onto a piece of paper, blurt it out. And so it takes restraint. You know, we can get rid of it, but it doesn't really... Solve the problem. It's still there in its seed form. So, exercising restraint. Recognizing the defilement, relaxing around it, exercising restraint instead of acting it out. And it's not just stifle yourself, it's not just clamp down <laughs> restraint. We can exercise restraint in any number of ways, one of which is to just reflect is this aversion that I'm feeling? Is there some way I can put it aside for now? Sometimes we just want to avoid the experiences that cause us to get inflamed with a defilement. If sitting over there beside a person who's breathing loud, it bothers you, move. A <laughs> lot. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. Or, you know, you're sitting and you've got excruciating pain because you've got this old back injury that's really getting aggravated. Hello? Stand up! <laughs> I mean, let's be practical, you know. So we don't need to kind of force ourselves to kind of deal with something that we can avoid. So we exercise restraint in any number of ways. But basically, it's not. It's about not indulging in the defilement. And once we are able to exercise some restraint, we've recognized it, we've relaxed around it, we've accepted this is the way it is for now, or we've exercised some restraint, or we're exercising restraint, we're not acting it out, it's there in full color, technicolor. We need to reframe our understanding. Because so often these states of mind, these defiled states of mind, when they arise, it feels like I can't practice until I get rid of it. How can you practice when you've got sloth and torpor? I'm so angry. How can I practice? I want something so badly. I've got to get rid of this or I've got to fix it. I've got to get it before I can practice. Wrong understanding. These states of mind are the very place, the very foundation for developing awareness and understanding so we need to in in this way reframe our understanding from this is a hindrance it's an obstacle it's interfering with my practice and reframe it to understand oh this is the very opportunity for practice said rotationia says Try to recognize that defilements are simply defilements. They're not your defilement. Every time you identify yourself with them or reject them, you're only increasing their strength. The wandering mind is not a problem. Your attitude that it should not be wandering, that's the problem. The object is not really important, but how you observe it or view it is. Thoughts are just thoughts. Feelings are just feelings. As Anushka mentioned the other night in the Bahiya Sutta, the Buddha instructed Bahiya, in the scene, let there be just the seen. In the heard, let there be just the herd. In the sensed, let there be just the sensed. Defilements are just defilements. Feelings are just feelings thoughts are just thoughts rather than making a whole story about them about me and how bad they are or how problematic they are or how much of an obstruction they are or how bad a practice we're doing because we're noticing them so we want to really take the time when the defilements arise and you see it you recognize it understand that here is the place here is the opportunity to develop awareness. Recognizing, relaxing, exercising some restraint, reframing your understanding. This is the way to establish awareness. Awareness. Now that we've accepted that a defilement has arisen, we're not acting it out, we understand that it's the opportunity to develop awareness, what do we do with it? Okay? Feel it. Feel it. What does fear feel like in the heart? What does it condition as a feeling in the body? What does loneliness feel like in the heart? What does anxiety actually feel like? Because in that willingness to actually feel into these states of mind, we contact, we touch what is called the sabhava, the unique flavor of these states of mind we have run away from them for so long here's the opportunity to look at them to really come face to face which is what mindfulness does brings us face to face with the present moment to feel it they're not pleasant (laughs) and that is why we have run away We've turned away. We've avoided. We've spun stories after hallucinatory story, avoiding these, avoiding feeling these states of mind. One way to encourage ourselves in being aware of these defiled states of mind is to understand, as Saito Tejaniya said, they're not yours. It's not your fear, it's not your anxiety. But when we observe it, we are actually observing the nature of fear. If you can understand that we're observing the nature of anxiety, the nature of a loneliness, anyone who feels lonely feels this. What is it? It is the nature of loneliness, it is the nature of fear, it's the nature of anxiety when we can understand that we're observing in order to understand the nature of these states of mind, it, is, it, it gives us some space, some distance from it. We're not so identified with it as my fear. Now we understand, oh, this is the nature of fear. And if you're curious, another one of the seven factors of uh, awakening that Kamala spoke about last night, this quality of investigation, can we look, can we get so interested in these states of mind, these frequent visitors to the mind, that we can learn about them? Because as the Buddha pointed out in The Eightfold Path, it is the understanding, insightful understanding, which frees us, which uproots these defilements from the mind. So it's understanding. It's not just avoiding. It's not just getting rid of. It's not temporarily suppressing. It's understanding them. So we want to get close to these defilements. How they feel, how they work, how, what they do to the mind, how they feel in the body. What do they do to the body? What do they do to your interest in practice? How do they affect your confidence? How do they affect your sense of self? You don't have to ask these questions. But if you pay careful enough attention, you'll be able to answer them. This is what leads to the understanding of the nature of these defilements so that we can begin to uproot them from the mind. Awareness receives the unique flavor of these defilements. So we've recognized them, we've relaxed around them, we've exercised some restraint by not acting them out, we've reframed our understanding to know, okay, this is the place. And then awareness receives, feels, really feels and understands, oh, this is the way it is. This is what this is the nature of these defilements. Insight, the 6th step in working with the defilements, realizes the nature of these defilements. Mindfulness feels it, but insight understands it. And what is it that we need to understand about these defilements? The first is, these defiled states of mind, when you're willing to face them and feel them, don't last very long. They just don't last very long. No matter how frequently they have arisen, no matter how strongly it is appearing now in your heart, if you have the courage to look unflinchingly at how it's manifesting, you will see that it changes quickly. This knowledge is invaluable. I can tell you that the fear you you felt earlier today is gone. The anxiety you felt, the frustration, the disappointment, the impatience, it's all gone, right? It's not here now. But did you see it disappear? Maybe not. And if you didn't, you don't really know how impermanent and fleeting it really is. So it's this willingness to establish mindfulness on this defilement, the manifestation of this defilement, that will reveal how fleeting and changeable these states of mind really are. And once that knowledge is imprinted in your mind, how do you forget? And if every time this state of mind arises, you see it, you have the courage, the willingness to bear with it while it's there, as unpleasant as it is, you'll see it again and again and again that it's impermanent. It doesn't last, it doesn't last, it doesn't last, it doesn't last. Eventually we get it. These states of mind are not to be feared. But there's an interesting manifestation of delusion that fools us when any of these defilements arise in the mind the feeling is this is the way it's going to be forever now if I asked you do you believe this is the way it's going to be forever you'd say no of course not I don't believe that but the feeling the subjective feeling is it's going to be this way forever for the rest of the retreat at least, or at least all day, the whole sitting, something, (laughs) forever, as far as we can see into the future. That assumption, that kind of blind assumption, is so powerful, it will cause us to believe it and act on it as if it was true. Our challenge is to check it out. Check out that assumption. Is that assumption true? Is it really going to last forever? And when we have that courage, when we have that fearlessness, really, well, you might be afraid to check it out, but you still got the courage, we learn. We learn something so important, so liberating, it doesn't last. The other thing that we learn, or another thing that we learn is, often we... Engage in and we get entangled in these defilements thinking that somehow it's going to be satisfying we get angry with somebody because they They did something to bother us (laughs) and We get angry and we feel justified in it and we 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 think I'll feel better if I get angry And if I express it to them, then I'll really feel good When we turn our attention to the feeling of these defilements they are so painful, so unsatisfying. We, if we really dared to feel them, we would let go immediately if we could. But a lot of practice takes place right here. Enough mindfulness to see what's going on, how painful it is, but not enough wisdom to let go. And so we suffer. We suffer with mindful awareness with insufficient wisdom. The wisdom comes when we sustain the attention, the mindful attention, and we see this is unsatisfying. And eventually the mind will find a way to let go. It sees that it's impermanent. It sees that it has arisen contrary to our own best interest. We don't control it. If we could say, anger, go away. Fear, go away loneliness go away. We would, but you can say it, but it doesn't happen. Why? We don't really understand the nature of these states of mind. So it takes sustained attention, sustained mindful awareness to learn about the nature of these defilements. And in time we'll gather the knowledge, we'll gain insight, and we can indeed be liberated from entanglement in these states of mind. This is the path of practice. This is the path of insight. This is what we're doing here. To continue with the Bahiya Sutta, the Buddha said, when you train yourself in this way, there is no you in terms of that, There's no you there. You are neither here nor there nor between the two. This alone is the end of suffering. You're not in the story of your suffering. You see it. Right view. Of or skillful view of the defilements is essential to begin to address the causes of our suffering. Awareness of the defilements is also essential to really begin to understand them and to sustain our attention and to sustain the awareness for as long as they appear. When they appear Endure. Endure with full, willing awareness, and wisdom will grow. This is our path. This is what we're doing here. It is possible to uproot defilements from the mind. Not just suppress them, not just exercise restraint by not acting them out, but to remove the filaments, the seeds, those little mind bombs of these defilements from the mind so that they never arise again. That is the power of Vipassana and the uh, experience, I should say, or the realization of the unconditioned. This is what we're doing here. So is it any wonder that it's kind of challenging, that it feels like it's a struggle, it's a little bit painful, it's, it might appear endless. This is the far-reaching goal of what the Buddha taught. We're doing it. We've done all we can do today to fulfill these three trainings. If we continue in this way, it will happen. Let's sit for a moment, let the words quiet down. Always remember, Saito Tejaniya says, that it is not you who removes the defilements. Wisdom does that job. When you are continuously aware, wisdom unfolds naturally. Thank you for listening to the Dhamma. Thank you for listening.